Hello humans of triathlon and welcome back or welcome to the hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to serve with this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversation with triathletes from around the globe and from all walks of life I'm Sapna Chahania as always with my co-host Charles Hahn and Radmam Robin and this week is going to be a little different. We haven't got any guests for you today, but instead we're going to do a little recap of the first few episodes and guests, what we've got planned for future episodes and just catch you all up on what we the hosts have been up to since we first launched which was I think around 3 and a half months ago now. Yeah, wow. Oh so yeah, for 14 episodes already, guys. That was pretty quick time. That's a long reach high five considering we've got two oceans to cross. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Exactly. Did you guys have any any favorites of the guests we've had so far? I mean, we've had some amazing ones, that's for sure. Oh my gosh, that would be just like impossible to choose. <laughs> exactly. Uh, are, we, are we allowed to have get, uh, get favorites as hosts first of all? <laughs> I think I don't, I think I don't call know. them like uh, I don't like highlights maybe. Highlight. Yeah, highlights mm-hmm. would be good. Yeah. yeah, to be politically correct. You know what? What blows me away is every week I think, well, you know, we've we've had we've had the best, we've had the most amazing people. Like, there's just no way we're going to top that last one. That one was awesome. And then every week we have another guest, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. <laughs> Very different stories. It, it, Very different stories. Yeah. Yeah, very different. Everybody's just different. Um, but I do feel like our first few, you know, we were kind of finding our feet. Um, like, I Definitely. almost wish we could go back and re-interview the first one because we had, uh, mm-hmm. me, I didn't had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, agreed. All right. So I guess in terms of highlights, hmm. For me, I think, I think two people come to mind just probably just because of where I am in my journey and what I've been dealing with. And those two people were Stephanie and Kyle. Mm. And yeah, their journeys and their messages and the stuff they were saying, and especially the way they said it, I think that just resonated with me because of where I am right now. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of this is that everybody takes away their own thing, I guess. Uh, I think Jeff was one of mine just because what he was saying really spoke to something I needed to hear, um, which is kind of surprising because I didn't have that preconception. I, I guess going in, I, d- I really didn't expect that from the interview with him. Mm. What did you expect? I want to know. Well, you know, like he, his, uh, his videos and stuff that are online were so like dynamic and just you know, wow, this guy is doing this amazing stuff and he's just such a go-getter. And then when we talked to him, you know, just kind of heard about all the kind of hardships he had gone through and how many times it could have fallen apart. And just like for me, the the takeaway was more um, that it's just still worth it despite, you know, even if it doesn't come to the goal that you set in mind, even if you know, what you thought was going to happen didn't happen, even if all of that, that the journey is kind of still worth it. I, I guess that's just what I needed to hear that day. All right. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess yeah, um, yeah. you could, you want to say something, Sapneo? I was just like, 
all of them had a few things in common if you actually look at it like um I, two things that i can remember uh, you could say is they all like when they look back at the challenges and whatever they've gone through overcome all of them are always they they say that in a way or the other they say that they're fortunate to have gone through those tough times and take the risks that they have taken because it's made them the person they are today and when someone's in a difficult time it's tough to see that but it's especially for me um right now I'm going through something and just hearing them say that, that it's helped them it's made them who they are and so that just gave me you know that encouragement that uh, I am going to look back at this time and I am going to be grateful for it because it's making me stronger. Mm. That's a good point. It's sometimes hard to be grateful in the moment that you're going through something tough. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know like thanks. I'm so happy I'm going through this. <laughs> It's making me stronger. I can feel it. Yes. I'm suffering, but it's going to be for tomorrow. Yeah. Come on. Give me, hit me more. And yeah, I guess gratitude was another common theme that was there. We, all of them, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're just so, they're just so positive and so grateful to be able to do what they are doing. And they always keep things in perspective, knowing that someone else has it worse. Yeah, I think I I feel like I use that a lot like I the stories we hear I'm just reminded of that a lot just because I had that bad injury last year and so if I'm out on a run like it can be just like oh yeah I'm out on a run dang it's hot outside or my foot's hurting and and just like that reminder of I should be really grateful I can do this I couldn't do this a year ago I should be really grateful right now. It's a good reminder and you're right I think all of our guests hit on that. Mm. Yeah, put your feet a little bit on the ground as well. I think, um, and I think I think one thing that all these stories have in common. Obviously, I guess one of the main objectives, maybe, of this uh, podcast is to sort of show that anyone can do this sport because it may seem uh, very sort of traumatic, and you see all these fancy bikes and these people with these Instagram accounts, and oh my god, I cannot do this. It sounds complicated, right? And then on these stories here, we show you. It's a combination of people who have been at their worst, like really the worst. We're not talking about people who like, oh, I'm sitting, I'm a couch potato, I'm sitting at home and I don't feel like going out. These are people like have had drug addiction problems. People have a cerebral palsy. People uh, had a fibromyalgia. I mean, it's like a bunch of stuff, which is incredible to hear. And suddenly they just use their athlete to just push themselves, not even like to, oh, to complete a race. No, we're talking about people like doing Ironmans and qualifying for Kona. So it's a combination of the worst to the best. So I think if you, if you provide the examples of going from the worst to the best, I think it's very easy for people to understand that you can just take a simple step and anyone can do it. I think, pretty, I think that's the sort of uh, my take on this sort of 14 episodes that we have had so far. Yeah. Well, and just that not everybody started out on that like high-end crazy bike or qualifying for Kona. I mean, some people do, <laughs> but um, you know, we've had some pretty amazing guests. But also, you know, people that started out on an old steel touring bike, or you know, um, you don't you don't have to match that top of the heap the first time you. Go yeah, around. of course not. I guess, but I guess I guess uh, the point here is like, if there's people out there who have been at their worst, like having like 
the worst position ever, and certainly they are at the best position ever. I mean, the whole spectrum, I guess, I mean, from my point of view, it's like it's so simple to see that if you are a little bit bad, it's so easy. If other people have done it, you can just go a little bit good. Yeah, that's a good point. So what about you, Charles? What was what was somebody that really spoke to you? Uh, well, I think I was very, very speechless uh, when I was uh, listening to um, Chris Choi, right? Because of the mm. candor that he was speaking with, no? And uh, the sort of things that he was saying just live on the podcast, things about his drug addiction, people, things about the suicide and his uncle, and, and then he spoke about the gun that he saw. And these, all these things, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I, I think I, my mouth was like completely open when I was listening to all these things. And at the same time, first of all, I love the candor and, uh, and how obviously how he, he managed to go through. But th there was one particular moment of the interview, which he said something that I thought when he said it, it was like, oh, my God, this is so bad. And I feel so sorry for him. But actually, he was joking. And that's the funny thing about it. He said something like, you know, an addict is if once an addict, you're always an addict. And I said, oh, man, so sorry to hear. But then he said, you know what? It's because now I'm an addict to triathlon. And I think it took me like, I don't know, like five, ten seconds to sort of compute, oh, this is a joke. Well done. Yeah, this is something that I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that was one of, one of my yeah, favorite that, moments, yeah, so far. That was such a different interview, too. That one just oh, yeah, felt... That stands out in a different way. Very intense. Mm, indeed. Yeah, and there were some particular moments maybe also we had when we spoke with Jemima at the start. Uh, I remember that I asked her, like, uh, this was a very technical question. Uh, what do you do uh, to, uh, to cope with the pain when you're in these uh, early morning cold freezing rides? Or, and since she, she, she mentioned this, this sort of scene which is every, every time that I go outside, I, something sort of comes into my head now, which is like, she mentioned something like being on different rooms of different colors with the shapes, uh, geometrical shapes floating in the air or something like that. So I, I, was, I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very impactful. And things, I don't know why, but it's still, I remember that when I, when I go in uh, and go this crazy, when I did this crazy four hour and a half, bike ride last weekend i think that came up to my head so so yeah for example all the shapes and everything yeah the shapes yeah i was i was picturing this yellow bright yellow pyramid floating on its yeah. own axe yeah well i know another one that really just uh hit me pretty hard was was sarah watson's and uh i know i was just listening to uh, a story uh npr uh, in the U.S. here, it's are uh, on the radio about some soldiers in Afghanistan, and it just for me it, it sort of um, it made that story more personalized because of hearing about her experiences. I could kind of picture those people and what they were going through, and maybe what they would face afterwards. Mm. Just in terms of you know, because these stories come through the news all the time, and and we don't really think about you know, the people involved 
I think yeah. one thing I just realized is what we could do better. Is I think I think eighty to eighty five percent of our guests have been from the states now, so I think we could True. spread that out a bit more, get some more variety geographically. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, if you guys are listening from Kazakhstan or <laughs> South Africa, you know, New Zealand, whatever, just give us a shout. You know where we are. And uh, we'd love to have you in the show. And yeah, we'd yeah, also love to know who your favorite guest has been so far. So leave that in the comments or wherever you want to and let us know. Well, and I like having diversity, um, you know, in... We've had some diversity in ages and length of time in the sport. Um, yeah, and I think bringing more diversity in terms of experiences or nationality or um, other things that, that people deal with in the sport would be great. Mm-hmm. Especially people in, in places maybe where it's not as uh, ubiquitous as it is here. It's not as easy to access, um, at least as it yeah. is where I live. Yeah, I can guess. And also he listened to people like explaining the realities of how they have to train. So then we can appreciate whenever we have, a, I don't know. One problem with space. That is the time zone. That's because I've been trying to get a few people on from different places, but we have a small, you know, slot window. Yeah, window and <laughs> not everyone comes into that. Yeah, I don't know if our, our listeners even really understand our scheduling difficulties because with swap meal in, in australia and charles in london and myself on the west coast the us we do have a really small window on our joint calendar that's like when none of us are sleeping and and we're all available to to do this it, it is a scheduling uh challenge absolutely along with that there's been challenges of the tool that we use for recording that's that's been annoying at times yeah, the first few episodes for sure where we had some we had some real difficulties. Oh no, I was just gonna say that uh, the the first time that we used Syncaster, which is the tool that we're using right now, uh, I remember that it was when we had Jeannie on the show. And unfortunately I couldn't participate on this because I could only like listen or be there for the first ten minutes and then it became so choppy that it was for me impossible. Like turn off, turn off put it off so that uh, that was one of the maybe the, the episode that I couldn't uh, do because of that. And, uh, and also when we had Chris, I couldn't be there for the last 15 or 10 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. And then our previous tool that we used kept kicking me off. So <laughs> I, I kind of came and went, I think my funniest moment though, in, in the whole podcast. And I don't even know if I mentioned it during the episode is when we were interviewing Jill, which, I think she was guest number one, right? So we were really shaking out all the bugs. And I was on a camping trip and I had driven to the top of this hill um, so that I could get enough cell reception to call in. (laughs) And so I had kind of parked my car and I was sort of sitting on the hood so I could be as high as possible. And it turns out I was in front of this gate and this farmer drove up on a tractor and he was... um, trying to wave me away from the gate because he needed to drive his tractor in through the gate. And 
that tool that we're using had no microphone mute. So I'm like frantically covering the microphone with my hand and trying to start my car and drive my car oh, and no. not lose the call and listen to what Jill was saying because she is an awesome guest and, and really inspiring. And it was just like this ridiculous moment of farmer tractor, hill, car. Yeah, that oh. was kind of crazy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I hope we can speak with Zencaster now because, you know, I've used like five different email IDs because they give like a two-week trial to start off with and then they start charging. So I've been using all the email IDs I have for the last few months. <laughs> Maybe we should put out a GoFundMe or something. So yeah, I was, I was can... thinking some kind of Patreon or something <laughs> like that just, just to be able to do the show. A Patreon or something so that we can uh, we can just fund our, our tiny little expense fund of Zencaster because it is a it is a good tool so shout out to yeah, Zencaster it's been it's been pretty reliable for the last uh, last bit here anyways I mean it's all worth the effort I think <laughs> definitely yeah and I think one of the things that also I was um, contemplating or maybe we can have uh, some sort of a Spanish version oh yeah some, at some point I think yeah. I have some people who have uh, where I approach, actually, you want to be on the show, and I say, you know what, I love to, but I would feel more comfortable. You can do it in Spanish. I said, okay, well, maybe that's uh, something we can think about because uh, I think there's a lot of people who want to also be on the show, and then they definitely have nice, very, very awesome stories behind it as well. Yeah, we should definitely. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So, anyone listening? Okay, wait, I don't think anyone listening would want to listen in Spanish. So. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there's people who listen who they are just uh, native Spanish speakers. Uh, yeah, right. And they that, that's how they all start. I remember when I was uh, when I was a kid, and the first time that I had a cable TV back in the days, all of it was in English. So we had to consume that because that's what you had. And I guess somehow podcasts maybe you know, people, especially triathlon, maybe it's a very small sort of community. So. Maybe still, no, again, there's there's chances out there to sort of expand it to a different language. So then maybe I'm sure there's people right now listening at this moment who speak Spanish and they could want to have that. Well, and I think also like people may be listening to it in English, but being able to comprehend another language and then actually being able to do an interview in a second language, is a, it's just a much harder skill. So you know, even if they listen to the podcast and, and are fine listening to it, it, I think they might feel more comfortable speaking in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Humanos del triatlón. That's going to be nice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. So what's been up with you guys? Charles, we, I, we know that you recently completed Ironman. Yeah, I want to hear some details. Yeah, yeah, that was a very interesting experience. It was my first, uh, it was my second attempt to do a full uh, full distance, but uh, gladly this time I finished successfully. It took me 13 hours and a half of sweat, pain, tears, and many things, but we got it done. Uh, it was a very... Be- Heard the word. <laughs> it was a beautiful day, yeah, actually, and... Um, which one was it again? Uh, it was uh, in Norway, so the Ironman uh, Norway. This was uh, the first edition of that race because normally they they've been doing uh, they've been doing the half Ironman there for I don't know like for the last uh, seven years maybe, and then this year they decided they wanted to do the full. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's just a, a beautiful. It's like the most beautiful bike course I've ever done. Perfect weather, like twenty degrees all the time, not a cloud in the sky. I don't know. It was one one loop, only one loop, which I love because on the bike because uh, first of all you don't get bored, and second of all there's no drafting issues as well. No. So. Oh yeah, a lot less with the less bikes on it. That makes sense. Yeah, instead of like rolling heels, one loop. So everyone that that I think that's the explanation that they gave us in the, in the briefing, and it was actually true. So you went there. I, I felt that I was by myself. Only I could hear the birds nice. chirping. How cold was the swim? Uh, I, no, it was good. I mean, I was I was a bit scared because when I was uh, queuing up to go into the water, I saw these people with this a uh, couple of them with uh, with this uh, sort of head uh, neoprene sort of thing. I was like, oh my god. I think I came a little bit uh, unprepared, but I went into <laughs> the water and it was beautiful. So nothing to complain about. It was a nice. bit strange to swim because I've never done uh, an onion shaped uh, swim. I normally you would do, oh, uh, yeah. it's weird, very <laughs> weird. Like honestly. So it had a crazy swim course. <laughs> yeah. Normally you would do a, a triangle or a rectangle, but this is an onion thing. So finish one layer go inside, do the other layer, and then you know, I think like four layers. It was like you end up like DC, more DC than you normally do because you normally are DC when you come out of the water, but this is even DCer. Huh. But it was nice. It was definitely nice. It was very sad that I finished the finish line and there was this amazing barbecue sort of thing that they were doing there, but my stomach is absolutely shut down after a race. So Yeah. Lots of beer, so, but I couldn't touch I think, anything. That's kind of a common thing. Like, I mean, I think like finish line uh, feasts are great in shorter races, but something like Ironman, like it could take hours for your stomach to come back online. Right. The worst thing I saw at an Ironman is they had um, chocolate milk sponsor uh, Ironman uh, Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> uh, they had the big chocolate milk arch and stuff, and so they were handing out chocolate milk at the finish. And, you know, I mean, like, you cross that finish line, and it's like, wow, that sounds really great, cold chocolate milk, so everybody's chugging it. Well, let's just say it, it kind of came back on quite a few of us. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure it's, like, a good optic to have this chocolate milk arch and then, like, projectile vomiting of chocolate milk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was pretty horrible. Uh. Uh, there was, yeah, <laughs> it was a kind of a, a kind of a carnage, <laughs> kind of a bad scene. Lesson learned not to eat or drink anything right after the finish. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Swapnil? What is going on right now? Um, I hate to say it, but overall, I'm pretty much still struggling. Uh, but on the positive, I have made some minor wins along the way. And I think just overall, it's, it's been okay because I've had this complete change in mindset and approach to healthy living. Because like earlier, I thought I knew what it was to live healthy and I thought I had healthy habits. But I've recently realized that, that I was totally wrong. So I've completely changed some of my habits and perspectives about a few things and do you like go into more detail if you guys like but yeah I'm, I'm i'm curious what what you feel has been most helpful or what changes like do you really feel are okay so i it started so i came across this piece of content from this doctor named dr chatterjee 
um raghavan chaji um he's this famous doctor in the uk uh he has a show on tv called doctor in the house charles you may have heard of it doctor which one and doctor in the house doctor in the house hmm i haven't yeah. but i will check it out it's a pretty cool show so what he does is he go- so he goes into a family's house who has tons of health problems and you know some diseases and stuff and he actually lives with them for a few months to help them change their lifestyle and recover wow so Interesting. yeah so i can yeah he's pretty cool so i came across his content and he he has this thing that he calls the four pillars to health which are sleep relaxation exercise and diet hmm. and so what he says is as long as you have these four things in balance and uh, i won't say balance in control um you're going to be your health's going to be fine and what he means by balance doesn't necessarily mean like all of them have to be like the best he says that you could do be doing one really well and that could compensate for the ones that you aren't doing too well like you could have a okayish diet but if you're sleeping really well that could that could make up for that and somebody says that once all four of these um pillars once once all of them we could say like are derailed or you know they start yeah they just go start going wrong then that's when your health can start deteriorating and you know i i thought back to when all these symptoms of mine started and started relating them to these four pillars and for me i think it all started when i first came to uni uh, when i left home which was 2 years ago and now that i think of it like back home everything was going pretty well you know i was like you at home and i was with my parents and family so pretty much going well i was sleeping at the same time and getting up at the same time every day because of school and stuff and getting home cooked meals every day and yeah like it was all going good then when i came to uni everything you know like you're at uni so right <laughs> you just sleep whenever you want you get up whenever, whenever you want and eat whatever nice, you yeah. want <laughs> and yeah it was the my first time living alone as well so you know that that stress that comes with that was there and my diet kind of went out the window as well like it wasn't it wasn't even that i was eating junk or anything like that it was just that i was eating what i thought healthy meant and it wasn't like what i was supposed to be eating especially with all that training that i was doing like my triathlon was the triathlon training was ramping up as well so and i'm i'm still relatively new to the sport right it's still my like my just after my first season was when i came to australia and still in the starting phases and everything just started to go wrong i guess and that's when that's when all these symptoms started so i guess now i'm i'm just trying to get back like what one thing that uh, that dr charity charity says is that once once all these four pillars they go wrong in order to get back to optimal health you have to fix each one of them and you can't just make up you can't go back to that you know like having one pillar really strong and making up for the weak ones so you have to get all of them really you know, back back to normal hmm. so that's what i've been working on um 
you know, sleep, relaxation, exercise, and diet. And I've been lucky enough to have come across a doctor here in Australia who believes in the same approach. So his clinic itself, he's named it Everything's Connected. So, yeah, I've been working with him, um, just trying to get everything back to normal. Great. Sounds positive. Yeah, I mean, I've had some good results so far. Like, I've made quite a few changes, like I was saying. Like, I'm, if I talk about sleep, like, I've started sleeping at the same time and getting up at the same time every day, getting at least nine hours of sleep opportunity. And I've even started using these blue light blocking, these huge orange glasses, um, like two hours before I sleep. To, <laughs> oh, that's a great yeah, idea. To um, prevent, you know, the... The blue light. He, he, told, he told me that I should stop using electronics like two and a half hours before I sleep. I'm like, that's not possible. Tell me what else I can do. <laughs> so, so he suggested these glasses and you know like yeah they're, they're pretty cool because yeah that's first of all they help like for a college student is that like just saying like you know you should just cut your arm off <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> stop using your electronic devices <laughs> so yeah those have helped them you know just sleep quality and it, it's pretty cool because now since i wear them and then i go to bed afterwards like as soon as I wear them, I start feeling sleepy. So the body is kind of understood that once I wear these, it's almost time to sleep now. So um, it's developed that pattern, I guess. So that's oh. helped. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've made total changes to my diet. Uh, and another thing that I've done, I think that's helped a lot, is I, I've got this morning routine set up now. Um, just one hour after I wake up, the thing that I think helped me the most is I don't look at my phone for the whole at least 60 minutes wow. and I, I think that's just helped so much I didn't think it would it would it would make such a difference but it's just it's just so peaceful you know like not getting up and looking at your phone and reacting to all the stuff that's there on there all the emails all the messages and that is a great idea it's, it's not easy to do because especially the first I can't days, imagine first few days you know you're just fidgety your, your phone's just right there you want to look at it and but once you realize how it's helping you, like now some days there are days where I just, you know, I'll go two hours without looking at it and I just don't want to get back to it, you know, get all get to all those emails and stuff. So yeah, that's that's it's just so peaceful. Now there's a market there's a market idea, like a phone box that only unlocks at a certain time. Yeah. So like you couldn't even see it. It could have like a charging port in it, so you could be charging it, but like it only unlocks at like nine AM or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be tough. Yeah, those well, are the good. things I'm, that's been happening. Well, wishing you continued progress. I think, like, listening to our podcast guests, you know, I'm sure when each of them was in the middle of what they were going through, it probably, it's so much harder because you don't know that that end is in sight and where it is. You're just working through all the things one by one. Like Kyle mentioned, I'm sitting in my fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think it doesn't matter where we are in terms of um, uh, like high and low, I think after, uh, and I don't want to sound biased because I'm part of this podcast, but I think after listening to all these episodes, I think anyone should feel much better. Yeah. Like they've got much more input. Has some therapeutic effect. Well, I'm, a, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum because I'm about to send my last 
kid off to college and I'm worried about all those things that you just <laughs> talked about. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the, I think I have actually, my daughter has type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so college is going to be challenging. You're, um, you know, that's insulin dependent diabetes. So um, what you eat, how much you sleep, all those things affect your blood sugars and blood sugars can be really dangerous and even deadly, you know, for someone with T1D. So, uh, we're moving her in, uh, six days. So I'm having a lot of anxiety about that. Can imagine. Yeah. So I'm not really sleeping much. <laughs> I'm not really sleeping much at all. <laughs> uh, you know, and just, just kind of worrying about how that will work out for her. She'll mm. be fine. And, yeah, and really just things like, you know, she's got an alarm. I mean, first of all, technology is amazing these days. She's got a, a continuous glucose monitor and an um, insulin pump. Um, but, you know, sometimes that alarm goes off in the middle of the night. And she's going low, and, you know, I have to go in and shake her to wake her up. And, you know, I just worry I'm not going to be there. Who's going to wake her up, you know? Or on the flip side, or her doormate's going to go crazy with the alarms going off and be like, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, moms worry anyways. That's what oh, we yeah, do. Absolutely. But, uh, but you know, it, it, this is like a valid worry, not just like a, Oh, I'm worried she's going to party too much or get bad grades. This is like a, this is like a really, if you're going to worry about something, it's, it's a real one, mm, I guess. True. So, yeah. So I'm not doing any late summer triathlons. I'm yeah. You I'm just packing. Had your, you just had your comeback race. That was that was awesome. Yay! That was that was really fun. I was really uh, so psyched that it went well. Um, I was a little bummed. I actually haven't posted this yet, but um, I was just like on cloud nine for about two days, and then like my knee really started hurting for about a solid week. So I kind of canceled my plans to do a September race. And, and um, I think what it is, is like, I can go out and ride. My knee doesn't hurt. I ran six miles yesterday. My knee didn't hurt. But it's just, you know what happens when you get in a race. And at least for me, I said, oh, I'm just going to pretend it's a training session. I'm just going to train right <laughs> through this one. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to take it easy. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for me. And maybe some people are better at that. But I've got like a super competitive gene and it just, it's like a switch gets flipped. And I'm not one of those people, like when I'm out on a group ride with my friends, I'm not one of those people who's like the hammerhead, who's like, I'm going to beat you all. <laughs> but boy, because yeah, I have friends like that, you know, um, I love them, but you know, they're really competitive. But in a race, I just, that's just it. There it goes. So it all, all my plans went out the window. But I did have a really, a really fun time, and it was awesome. How many months had it been since you raced before that? Well, I got injured on July 14th of last year. So um, it was definitely before that. It was like June last year. So it was over a year. Wow. It was almost exactly the one-year anniversary of my injury. So, yeah. um, And really, I hadn't started. See, I was swimming with only one arm until February, I think. Oh. And I didn't start running till about February, March. So uh, I had knee surgery in December. So it, you know, it had been basically only a few year, few months of training. 
Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a sprint race, so it was nice and short, but, um, you know, I just got to, I've got to kind of like pay attention to all the lessons from the podcast and take it easy, take it slow, make sure I'm really healed, make sure I'm not going to hurt myself more because, you know, I've, I've got 30 some years in this sport, so I've done a lot of races. I don't need to prove anything to myself, I guess. I want to do many more years. I don't want this to be the last, so I need to be smart. Yeah, of course. Mm. I guess it depends on which sort of stage you are. No, uh, I don't know. I feel this is my second year, and I'm not sure if it's because of the, I am on, on a different stage or is it because it's just my personality, but I see triathlon as a hobby, no, as something that I do. I go outside, disconnect from work, disconnect from everything, I keep myself fit, you know, like uh, I go to the race and I enjoy it. So I don't feel that I am, I have this sort of a maybe competitive gene or something that tells me you need to, I don't know, go swimming and uh, like, of, I, I don't know, I take out the cap of the, of someone in the middle <laughs> of the race and say, ha 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 ha, now I'm going to beat you, right? <laughs> well, maybe, I, maybe I, I exaggerating, but, but yeah, you know what I mean? I think part of what's hard for me is that when I started in triathlon, um, I immediately became pretty successful and was qualifying for nationals and was, I said, a lot of really good PRs. And of course, yeah, I'm 30 years older now. I'm in my 50s. So it's, um, it's really, I have to make a concerted effort not to compare where I am now with where I've been um, or what I was capable of. Yeah. yeah, and I think you, you could probably relate to that swap meal because you were super competitive and like you just can't exactly you like, can't say where um, I am now compares to that. I am where I am now, whatever that is now. You have to chuck your ego out. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, just like when now I've been able to swim a little bit now, so just being able to get myself to go into the medium lane instead of the fast lane, just that it's just so it's just so hard. Yeah. I guess it, it kind of, mm. you got to think of being able to swim as something that's being added instead of not being able to swim in the fast lane as something that's been taken away, exactly. I guess. Exactly. So I have to say I envy you a bit, Charles. Like it's, this is all like spread out in front of you, like the unknown territory. What do you mean? Well, like this, it, you know, it's your second year in the sport. This is all new to you. You know, everything is just like yeah, absolutely. uncharted territory. So everything you do gets to be like a, a first something cool. I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I think I love, uh, I love that part of also the sport. No? It's just like uh, keep uh, discovering new things about myself, about the sport, about, I don't know. Uh, I, I even see my, I, re, I sort of compare myself to how I was when I started. And obviously there's like, humongous change you know? uh, it's like constant sort of stream of new things and yeah so yeah i agree with you i mean i think the beautiful thing about triathlon is it doesn't matter how many years you're in it you can keep like discovering things or keep it, it doesn't really get old i guess so after 30 years in the sport do you consider that you still discover new things oh absolutely yeah I just, I don't think it gets old. I mean, there's so many challenges. Like you could keep challenging yourself forever in triathlon, but there's so many things to improve or do or change or, you know, 
heck, I could still probably take a minute off each transition time if I <laughs> sat down and got serious about it. We could do a, we could do a whole uh, podcast episode on uh, just asking people what what things have gone wrong, or having readers send in things or listeners send in things that have gone wrong, record things that have gone wrong because you know like. You've got so many things. You're swimming, you're biking, you're running. There's water, there's air, there's wheels, there's oh, tires, yeah. there's Absolutely. <laughs> shoelaces. Logistical there's... nightmare. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm. I almost once tripped over a mink. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was doing this triathlon in Canada that was kind of remote, and I was running on this path around a lake, and these two minks came out of nowhere and had a mink fight on the path, and I almost <laughs> tripped over a mink. <laughs> a mink fight. <laughs> A mink fight, yeah, <laughs> or maybe they were mating. I'm, I'm not really entirely oh. sure um, <laughs> on mink, um, yes, mink etiquette. What was going on? So the mink fight is like the sort of naive, nice way to look at it, but maybe, yeah, maybe they were doing something else. Yeah. Well, they were sort of wrestling around. I'm not really clear, but uh, there was a there was a mink episode. <laughs> All right, understood. <laughs> okay, what about you guys? What what is the what is the weirdest or craziest or or biggest problem you've run into in a race? Hmm. I can't think of anything in particular. I haven't had any like, yeah, I, I can't think of anything. Okay, so I, I have a question for you, Swapnil. That I was just kind of I, I have to admit I like stalked your all your Instagram posts way back because your first of all your pictures are fantastic, and I just kind of wanted to see what was early Swapnil. Um, hmm. So how is it different to race in India than than um, oh, Australia? It's, it's so different, like because the sports just gone started in India, you know, and there aren't first of all there aren't too many people involved, and secondly the the infrastructure in, in the cities isn't great. So I have I've only done two races, no two, yeah maybe two or three tries in India. The first uh-huh. one. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I don't even know how to describe it because, like, you, you could say it, it's like an Xterra, even though it's meant to be a road race. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see. I can I see. Think, yeah. Yeah. Because there's traffic. There's, I mean, they, they, I don't blame any organizer or anything like that. It's just that the country's got a long way to go in getting the sport more. More, making it more accessible in terms of infrastructure, at least. Um, so yeah, when I raced over here, it was, it was really cool. You know, I I could just go flat out, like I didn't have to worry about traffic, I didn't have to worry about the roads or anything like that. And yeah, that was pretty, was pretty cool. But then Does I have that to make say, it more dangerous there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. But like, I, I, I there's this race called the Goa Triathlon. Um, it happens in Goa, and I would say that that's the best organized race there is right now um that that definitely matches international standards so if anyone's in india it usually happens in feb or march so make sure you check that out all right what about you charles do you have any interesting uh what's your your moments crazy moments i'm trying to think as well like have i had like crazy more i've only raced how many times have i raced i've done three half and one full and one olympic that's it. Oh man, you got to do a sprint now. Yeah, but the thing about the sprint is like go backwards. Maybe yeah, backwards. Well, most people start out sprint, Olympic, half Ironman, Ironman, 
you're you're kind of working your way back the other way. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah. I know that I'm not gonna do definitely nothing beyond uh, nothing beyond Ironman. So I've heard people doing these double and triple things, which is crazy. But hey, the Ultraman. Yeah, the Ultraman. Yeah, a friend of mine just did Ultraman. Uh, she is she, hats off to Annie Lowe out there. She is one tough chick. I can imagine. Yeah, I've, I've actually been a part of the you know the team, the athlete team for Ultraman Australia last year. There were oh, wow. a couple of people from India doing it, so it it was a crazy three days. Yeah, they have big teams of support. I I hadn't realized that. Yeah, like yeah. You, you get a lot of support, which is good. You need it. You definitely need it. Yeah. Mm, I know. But what I definitely want to do is a Norseman. I think that race, even though it's like super crazy, I saw a video the other day and I, I was like, wow. Yeah, that video is just awesome. It's super awesome. I definitely would like to do that. Yeah, one day. So that, that just shows how sick of a disease triathlon is. It is, yeah, right? <laughs> when you're like, that looks really horrible and grueling and miserable. A normal person really would say that, yeah. That. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we're contag- contagious. I think we need some sort of a quarantine. <laughs> so no mink no mink moments for you? I don't know. I don't, actually, yeah, like during the race, like really? Have I had like crazy moments? No, I mean... Well, other than the fact that when I when I did my first uh, attempt at the full distance Ironman, uh, I think I was a bit put off by the way I was told uh, you're not going to continue the race. No, I think the guy yeah. he looked a little bit, uh, not even look at me in the eye. You know, like he was saying like, "No, blah 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 blah." blah. Hmm. And, and I was so tired that I was I wasn't that pissed off. Because I said, you know what? I am saving myself from having to run a marathon now. So my, <laughs> my body was telling me, be cool about it. But then a guy next to me, he was crying. Oh. The guy, he was like, oh, my God, I trained, like, all hard. And so, I mean, I was, I was feeling sorry for the guy as well. But, but, yeah, it wasn't very nice. Yeah, maybe they need sensitivity training. I mean, you're kind of like crushing somebody's dream, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of training and a lot of time and money and expense and, you know, especially at Ironman. I mean, you, that's, that's quite a feat just to get to the starting line. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it was, it's painful, yeah. So they need- but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, when, I, when I started the race, I knew that given my, the bike is one of my weaknesses and I knew that that could be a problem. I told my coach, this, uh, Sort of cut off can be a problem. However, during the race, I completely forgot about it, and I just went through it. And when the guy told me you cannot continue, I watch. I look at my watch to see how much time I had been on the race, and effectively, it was four minutes late to the cutoff. Four minutes. Dang. Yeah, from a nine nine hour ten minute because this this, uh, Barcelona Ironman that's the one I I did. uh, I tried to do. uh, They they do it in October. So obviously the sun comes out much later and all that. So there's less uh, daylight. So they need to do a, and it's also a very flat race to be fair. So they try to, they, they try to keep the cutoff sort of on the short side. Right. As well. That makes Mm. it a bit tougher. But you came back and you conquered it. You crushed that distance. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a great moment. I mean, you crushed it, but like, like you went from not making the cutoff to doing like a 13 and a half hour Ironman, dude. That's like, that's crushing mm. it. Yeah, yeah. I was very happy. Very, very happy. <laughs> I'm sure that's the understatement of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, you, you just posted, I, I saw this video of yours about the fundraiser um, you're doing with uh, while you're racing for NYC Marathon. Oh, What's yeah. Yeah, so, well, I guess um, I've always, uh, so always typical that you want to do, like, nice sort of races. And, and I always had a like, New York Marathon, like, oh, maybe I want to do it. And I got into the, somehow I, I got into this, uh, how do you call it, the lottery thing. So I'm just going to go for it, see how it goes. Obviously, I didn't get it. I was so pissed off. Like, and then suddenly I started getting emails saying, oh, why don't you just do it for a charity? It's like, hmm, this is something that I've never done. But you know what? It feels good. It sounds like, uh, so there, there's two ways I can go to the marathon. I can either pay a lot of money to one of these tour operators and they give me the the ticket and the flight, which is like that. Or I can do it by, by you know, a charity. I need to raise a lot more money than with the operator, but at least it goes for a good cause. No? And that's something that yeah. I've never done. So I think, you know what? I think that's a good thing to, to do. And well, that's what I am, right? So I'm going to race New York City Marathon this year on November 4th. And, uh, I'm raising funds for the American Cancer Society. I, I acknowledge that I live in the UK. So I said, you know what? Uh, I need to find uh, a charity that sort of appeals to the most amount of people. Um, you know what? Cancer is, is a global thing. So even though the name American is on the, on the thing, I, I, it's like guys, I mean, it's like 75% of what we raise is invested into uh, re research and development to find a cure for the disease. I mean, what more global than that, right? Yeah. And that's why I chose yeah. the yeah. And when is the big head shaving? So, well, yeah, so essentially, uh, so right now I think uh, it's $3,200 sort of, uh, that's the, the commitment that I have to do. And so far I've raised uh, $600, right? So I said that from now on, Every person who donates, I'm going to do a 100% match, right? So I'm going to help that number get to where it should be. And if we, if we manage to get to that point, I am going to shave my head for race day, like completely shaved, as it's going to look like a, I don't know, like a, like a pool ball, pretty much, shiny. <laughs> and also I'm going to leave my self and mustache very thick one right i know that i can grow a thick mustache uh it's going to be in support of november as well which is uh for those of guys who don't know is uh, this uh november you try to leave your mustache as oh, a way yeah, to raise no shave, no shave november thing exactly exactly to raise awareness for all the prostate cancer awareness pretty much yeah so that should be an interesting look for you <laughs> I'm gonna look, yeah, a little bit like a like a, an assassin, paid assassin. But you know yeah, what? Like it's, some it's fine. Character out of a movie, like some kind of like really crazy uh, evil genius. It could be, could be, yeah. Except for you doing it for good. It's yeah. That's a that's a part people don't know. They see me, 
they fear me, but they don't know that I'm doing this for the, for the greater good. That is awesome. I've actually got to go, guys. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm on the business clock, and it's 2.32, so I got to oh, yeah. cool. wave goodbye. I'm looking forward to Charles's shaved head. Looking forward to more uh, updates <laughs> on, on your plans and, and training plans, Swap Meal. Awesome. All right. So, Charles, where can everyone donate if they would like to? That is a very good question because it's a very uh, – well, it's a, it's a link. It's available on my on my bio, definitely on my on my Insta bio. You can right. see it, and it's the, the the link is there. All right, guys. So make sure to head on over to Charles's Insta, which is at Charles Hunk, or we've even we'll even add the link to the show notes, so you can head on over to either of those if you'd like to donate. It's very good cost, guys. All right, so Charles, do you just to sort of finish this stuff off? Do you have? Do you have any sort of structure improvements for the podcast in terms of format or anything like that uh structure um well so far it takes an hour right and i think we cover it very much on the spot one thing i was just thinking was like after the guest guest interviews or the three of us could maybe just do like a five minute wrap up of our takeaways and thoughts from the guests oh yeah just after after yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds like a good idea, yeah. And another thing I want to start doing was reading out the reviews that we've got so far. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe every episode at the end of that thing, we could just read out a few, read out one review every episode, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Otherwise, I think apart from that, it's going pretty good. Um, I shared I shared the stats with you guys, right? So Crazy. It looks like a, like a, like a startup, like a hitting startup, like... <laughs> So I think today we just reached 5,000 downloads in total. Bloody hell. And yeah, it's growing steadily. So that's awesome to see, obviously. Yeah, 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 of course. Nice. So a shout out and thank you to all the guests who have come on so far because you all have made the show what it is. And obviously a big thank you to everyone tuning in and listening. It's amazing to see that you all are liking the show. And with your help and support, we hope to keep making it even bigger and better. So it would mean a ton to us if you could leave the show a review on iTunes, because that helps with the whole podcast ranking, and it helps the show reach new listeners. So please do take a minute to leave that review. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Along with that, just share it with your friends, you know. Just take a screenshot of the podcast play on your phone right now, and put it on your Insta stories and let people know about Humans of Triathlon. And if you don't already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Humans of Triathlon on Instagram, Facebook, and Strava. And yeah, feel free to hit any of us up on social media to just say hi or let us know your thoughts on the show. Every time I get a message from someone saying that they're listening to the show and they're enjoying it, it always just puts a smile on my face. So feel free to shoot any of us a message. Would love to hear your thoughts on these 15 episodes we've had so far. And also, if you'd like like this recap sort of format of the episode with just the three of us hosts, um, if, if you all like it, we could maybe even think about doing it more often with a little more structure to it. Charles, anything else? Mm, I think you've had a very comprehensive uh, 
set of recommendations that is going to help the show to be more awesome than it already is because it's already awesome. And um, yeah, I think uh, we'll be back soon with more and more stories and more people, more amazing, uh, like ordinary people doing extraordinary things as we bring you always. And then uh, look out for our Espanol show very soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will be back next week onwards with more incredible guest stories. And till then, keep trying. <laughs>